0: Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Twin Cities in partnership with the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by a generous grant from the Bush Foundation. This Ed Talks is titled Strategies for Rediscovering Our Common Humanity. Our featured speaker is Dr. Jackie Vertigan, In our increasingly polarized cultural and political environment, where it has arguably become much harder to engage in civilized discussion with those we may oppose, Dr. Jackie Vertigan is holding on to optimism. In her ed talk, she will pull from personal experiences, research, and identifiable public trends to explore the contemporary experience of dissent and negative discourse. She will share her approach for looking beyond the statements, opinions, and personalities of those from whom we differ and instead find concrete ways to identify commonalities, at very least our shared humanity. She will also provide reason for optimism and encourage personal action for spreading that optimism. This virtual ed talk was live streamed online on October 27th, 2022.
1: So I wanna thank you all for um, welcoming me and giving me a chance to talk about some things that I feel are important and I'll tell a little bit of a personal story as I go through this. Um, And I hope that it creates some conversation and discussion. When I first did this um, (laughs) proposal, I didn't have the story to tell, but we're gonna kinda of get there together, I think. We're gonna uh, discuss the contemporary discourse of dissent and negative discourse, things that are happening right now that are making things feel like they're feeling. And we're going to explore a way to find humanity, even in the people with whom we disagree the most, right? It's possible, we're gonna talk about that. And some strategies about how to lean into optimism. We've heard a whole bunch of strategies just now from my colleagues, and this will be really fun to kinda of tie these things together. So I see why they put us all together. Um, So in addition to all those degrees, um, I'm a mom. These are my two beauties. They're both South High grads, MPS graduates. Um, I am also J-mom to my stepson because I have moms, J-mom. And I am dog mom because, of course, that's my baby, right? So all the things that I've done, you know, the momming is by far the most significant, but I'm also a daughter, and that's what I want to talk with you about today. So, and I think I would cry, but I might, so don't don't be afraid if I do. <laughs> Last month, my dad walked on, as my friends in the Native community would say, because to say die um, means that the energy is gone, and I don't believe that happens. So <clears throat> I want to share a little bit about this man. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I want to take you down a journey. I want you to imagine a 76-year-old white guy from northern Wisconsin. All right, go there. (laughs) It's what you think. All right. Lots of snow up there. It's Wisconsin. All right, cheese, beer. And apparently, Wisconsin drinks more brandy than anywhere else in the world. So I don't know. Who knew, right? All right, so there's some things about this. A few more things about him, right? He was a vet, Vietnam veteran. Um, He was kind of active in the DFW and the Veterans of um, Vietnam Vets organizations. Um, He flew these flags very proudly, the POW and the uh, Stars and Stripes, over his country home. Um, He played country music really loudly on the TV news really loudly. He was loud. Um, he was an auto mechanic. And he <laughs> restored old cars. And this one is named Ratzilla. Mm-hmm. OK, go there. <laughs> what do you think you know about this man? Fill in those gaps for yourself for a minute. Is he anybody you could relate to? So let me share a bit more. He's an avid gardener. He had other women in his bed. This was Nellie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abby and Rosie and Sam Sam the cat. You know, my mom actually got herself a second bed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And he collected Lake Superior agates. And this last one, he's serving up dinner at the um, Firefighter's Volunteer Turkey Feed. So. He was more than that. He was also a school, um, not a school board, a county board supervisor and the township supervisor for more than 10 years. So he was a little bit more than that. He um, loved my mom. That was their 30th anniversary a couple years ago. And his four children and his three steps, of which I'm one, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren. That's him with my oldest. So all those things about him are true, right? All those things about him are true. Um, (laughs) He had friends who would have probably as likely, if they had been younger, been climbing those walls at the Capitol on January 6th as he had friends who, like him, condemned that. Now, how does somebody have friends that polar opposite from one another? Right, so this is why... This is why we're talking about him today, because I started thinking about the examples in my life, and none of them are more poignant than this. None of them are as powerful as this. He was a pain. There were times when we would, he would pick on me. He'd find reasons to argue with me. He would argue with others, and he would ask questions, and he would try to figure out what made them tick and why they were the way they were. So we have this nice little picture of a bird on things, you know, contemplating diversity, what happens, what changed with him. What changed with our perception of him, the more we got to know what he valued and what was important to him. So he was able to do this, to recognize the humanity in people, to find the value, to find the common thread, that thing that they could have in common, whether it was complaining about you know, getting old and getting through and getting by and things were tough, or the good old days, or working on their cars, or hey, did you get your garlic in yet? right? So those are the things that he found, and he could dislike somebody, the the things that they seem to believe in or that they advocated, and yet he could find out something else, right? He could find out something else. Unconditional positive regard. In counseling, that recognizing humanity is called unconditional positive regard. That's the ability, right, to see the person behind the behavior. So as a counselor, I have to find a way to connect with you, to appreciate that you have value as a human being, regardless of what you have shown me. Matthew, with your students who come and give me the big behaviors, right? It's the same thing when you're sitting across the table from a student and they're talking about something that they've done, and you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, and you're like, I have no feelings about that whatsoever. (laughs) You know, I still value you because you do. You have to. So you can like someone, you can dislike someone, You can vehemently disagree. But if you believe that you have a right to value what you believe, then so do they. In the world right now, we've talked a little bit about what's happening, right? So what is happening? We have the pandemic and the fallout from that. We have got wars. We have um, conflict. We have tension. We have um, things we haven't healed from, really, right? And there's a whole premise out there that we are all at odds it's political season you're seeing it on the ads big time I'm so tired of it I don't know about you but there's research out there Pew Research has done some work around this and the two major political parties are right now further apart than they have been any time in the last 50 years right so the extreme views on that those on the furthest ends of those spectrums are the most vocal So it makes it feel so much bigger right it feels like those people are taking up all the space and all this energy and that's really a lot and it's grating but there's good news haha the partisan divide is greatly exaggerated so there's also research out there that shows that the bulk of people are in that middle, and it's these outliers who are loud and taking our energy because we're allowing it. And how are we allowing it? Lest you forget, I think that I haven't um, thought about the pandemic, other tragedies that we're experiencing, schools and synagogues and other venues where people are being senselessly murdered, whether we're still wondering whether there'll be justice for all the harms that have been caused by violence across the world, whether there'll ever be an end to systemic racism. I personally am wondering when men will stop trying to tell women what to wear and what to do with their bodies. There's my political bent, sorry. Um, So these crises, these things that have happened do tend to make us more reactionary. We're quick to snap. Some of us freeze. Some of us fake our ways through some of us just don't know what to do and these are all normal reactions to extraordinary things so that's all happening too. we are reacting rather than responding I don't I don't think it's you Matthew I mean I could see why I could see why. I could see why it would be but I don't think so so the second strategy is to not attach to others negativity those polar extremes that you're seeing in the news, these things that are happening, they they can draw us in because we're in that reactionary place and rather than that responding place. So to be really aware of how we're allowing ourselves to react or respond rather than connecting to someone else's negativity. All right. So, oh, and this. Give yourself, yourself the grace the gift, right, of extending grace to others. When I treat someone else more kindly, more gently, more understanding. You guys were talking about how beautiful you've been to one another. And that feels like a gift to you. But you know what? It's a gift for your giver. It's a gift for your giver. When I can extend grace to someone else, I'm giving that to me. Right? Right? And I'm not perfect, I tell you. There are times when I sit there and I'm thinking about this, like, man, I could have handled that differently. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm truly a flawed human being, I tell you. And then I sit in that should thing where I'm going, man, I really should have done that differently. And then my yoga teacher training kicks in, and I'm like, oh, should free living. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am shitting all over everybody and (laughs) shitting all over myself and really and really (laughs) I'm just saying either either it is or it isn't we gotta stop being in that should space I think I've moved ahead in my little talk but there we are okay so so what's hiding from us um as I was looking for some current data on the things that I was perceiving, right? The things I thought were happening. One of the things that I was reading about was this uh, discourse around the American dream and the idea that um, the American dream is being taken from us. And and I I had this dream and I no longer have it. And, you know, I I found it's, it's interesting that that dream has been lost or it's been found. But then there's a question about who's really benefiting from that American dream Um, whose opportunities are getting canceled? Where are the disparities in those opportunities in the first place? And part of that American dream has been this extreme push for individuality, right? What I see out there is mine. I'm just gonna go out there and grab it and take it, and there I am. You know, like the whole history of the United States, thank you very much. But as we're pursuing that, Right? It's it's like the system is a setup, especially for people who don't look like me. For all of us, I would say that it's a smokescreen. Because we're hiding from ourselves in pursuit of something out there. We're trying to achieve and reach a, and, and grab a hold of something that's not inherently within us. It's not ours and it's not meaningful. And we can blame social media. We can I mean, we've created this, but it happens. I mean, it's an evil we've created. The thing about the social media, the clicks, and the the pursuit of all this, that they're designed this way. right? It's designed to keep us on the surface, one click after another, rather than making meaning, rather than thinking critically about what's offered. And people are making money off this, but probably nobody in this room, because we're educators. (laughs) right we're we're trying to deprogram this but but this is happening out there right so part of what's going on with with this and how this is tied to that getting Jason you said this earlier that that 12 seconds of soundbite that 12 more clicks on the internet points you said right so I'm like 12 more internet point clicks like I gotta get these what for why because that creates your value right and what we forget (laughs) <laughs> what we forget is that we aren't really all that different from everyone else. We aren't. We're not that special. I mean, we are, but we're not really. We're, like, we're all. We're all connected. We're interconnected, and what we see in others is a reflection of ourselves. And so, the more we spend time understanding that interconnectedness, and that this is a natural thing. You look at where fractals appear in the world, repeating, repeating. It's natural. It's the scientists in the world. You get this stuff, right? Like, yeah. And we're trying to go against nature by being the only one who does that thing, whatever that is, and get the clicks. And then, then we go, yeah, I'm now 12 more. you yeah, Internet points ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. But there was no banker or internet clicker at the side of my dad's bed, all right? It was me and my siblings and my mom, and we held his hand, and we offered comfort where we could and got it for ourselves because that's what we needed to do, and that's what we're meant to do. That's why we're here. This is the part where I talk about my shooting, so we'll <laughs> skip right through that. <laughs> it just felt so good before, I don't know. <laughs> the underlying piece, the values, right? So through Mindcore Collaborative, I have been building on my master's research where I was looking at values and how they significantly impact the way we interact with our world and our understanding of ourselves and others. and. So this tool is one I've developed in order for us to start understanding our shared values, what we share currently, what we aspire to. And so this tool kind of is a a place where we can start grounding that without the finger pointing and the blaming. You are okay as you are. I am okay as I am. And there may be intersections for us where we can find that pivot point. If we have that right then again so do others right okay so examining our underlying values that's the fifth strategy and I wanted to share this because I don't want us to forget about the systems that we're connected to right so when you rise to the level of love of its great beauty and power you seek only to defeat evil systems individuals who happen to be caught up in the system you love but you seek to defeat the system so this is one of those things where I'm like I can be mad as hell at all these things that are going wrong and understand that I as a white person I'm still victimized because I exist within the system that doesn't work for anybody really that doesn't mean I don't stop that doesn't mean I keep going It, it means I keep going But understand that we are all caught up in this, and the growth has to come by connecting to all of us. Defeating those systems that don't work for all of us, by finding the humanity in those from whom we differ. Seek those commonalities, whether it's love of family, of rock collecting, of working on your hot rod, of taking care of your pets. Thank you all.
0: Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis in partnership with the Citizens League. Thanks to our generous sponsor, the Bush Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveMPLS.org.